the television. I honestly don't know where my life would be without it. It's been a part of me as long as I can remember. My earliest memories take me back to Saturday morning cartoons down in the basement of our house where there was an extra TV devoted to just that. Saturday morning cartoons from 7 a.m. till around noon. All three channels would fight it out for my attention with their animated programming. And yeah, I said three channels, four if you counted public television, and maybe five if you had a UHF antenna, which eventually we did get, and that, my friends, opened up my life to the television I had missed while still a gleam in my parents' eyes. Reruns of shows gone by in old movies. Oh, man, I grew up with television, its influences and persuasions, and television has grown up as well since those Saturday mornings in the basement. Not always offering up the best, but sometimes offering up something treasured and unforgettable. Like a Jack LaLanne daily exercise show that my mother watched and tried to emulate on a daily basis with a Salem 100 dangling from her mouth. Did I say unforgettable? I also meant to say regrettable. But some images you just can't shake. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And many thanks to our sponsor, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, with offices in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. 100 plus years of collective experience and a reputation for results. If you need to contact them, you can do so by going to splaws.com or... If you're in a whiskey business situation, 888-OVI-OHIO.COM or just call them, you know, the old-fashioned way, 614-444-3036. And the guest bottle is Ezra B. Single Barrel, aged 12 years. We'll get to the Ezra B. and what it's all about in just a moment as we first must introduce... Our guest is a uh, longtime friend and acquaintance, Mr. Tim Farron, <laughs> with the Columbus Dispatch here in Columbus, Ohio, who, who, who I met when you were writing for the Dispatch. You were in the TV and movie in the entertainment world. Right. right yeah. And, right. and now you're writing for the... I'm in the business section. The of business section. Yes. And do you ever get to sometimes use the business of entertainment and sometimes bring your worlds together? Well. Because in my heart... And in my mind, you're always going to be a TV movie guy. Well. Not that you don't write excellent articles me in the too. business section. Me too. In my heart and in my mind, I'm always a TV movie guy. Yeah. And uh, absolutely. So, yes. Let, let me start out here by saying cheers, slancha. All uh, the above. Uh, absolutely. Salute, you opa. Got, you, you got a, a little bit of the Ezra B as we mm-hmm. speak, which will... I want you to smell it and taste it, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Uh, it's aged a, for 12 long years, 12, according yeah. to the label. Yeah, everybody's got to put an extra word in there to make their whiskey stand out. But it comes mm. from the uh, Heaven mm. Hill Distillery. 
And um, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, its origins and what you're drinking and what's all mixed up in there. Mm. But today, tonight, we're going to talk about... Television. We're going to talk about television. The current... little bit about the new season. The new season, which will it include what I consider to be this new in the last hmm, five to seven. I can even go back as far as ten years because it just seems to be getting better and better. We seem to be in a, in a new golden age yes. of television. Yes. Where the quality is yes. definitely, you know, has yes. risen. The bar has risen. Yes. But we also had golden ages of television in our youth and our parents had golden age of television yes in the middle there there was some shit <laughs> that we both loved and despised <laughs> and remember and you look back we'll talk about all of it are tonight. you talking about the love boat the love boat well they, i mean yeah i mean they, you, you, you talk about that was a golden age of television as high far cheese, as man as far as money making shows i don't even know how many seasons the love boat ran uh, all I remember is that no matter how dire the situation, once they got to Puerto Vallarta, things started to turn around. You could, you could solve that problem <laughs> once in, they got there in an hour or less. Or actually, less. less because you know commercial breaks. An hour's program is only forty minutes or so. And so. we love the love. We we tuned into we the love. love. We the cared love about those boat. people and their problems. We cared about the cast. We cared about Captain Steubing. Yes, we did. And and everybody and and Isaac. The bartender and Doc, uh, all of them. Why? Well, see, I see, see. I haven't seen an episode of Love Boat in what, fifteen years? Well, you know, I can't say that while I'm channel surfing that if I came across it, I wouldn't tune in for a moment. What is that? Actually, this is a printout of a kind of an interesting story from the Financial Times talking about I, our golden age of television. I love the Financial Times. And uh, I also have a, a release since even though I'm in the business section, I continue to be on the email list from uh, publicity departments for people like CBS. So you didn't take yourself off of that. You're staying in the mix. Are you yeah, kidding? yeah, I love it. I love it. So what do you what have what have you got there to offer me? Well, so as... so so CBS wins Premier Week in viewers for the ninth consecutive season. What's television's number one news show? Young Sheldon. Ding, 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 is right. Young Sheldon, for CBS anyway. Yes. Yeah, CBS. Young Sheldon no, probably. That's the new show that is among all of the big broadcast right. networks. Really? That's yeah. the top new show. And it kind of, yes, it's very interesting. We're talking about golden age of television because there's, well, it's not necessarily Television, if you want to talk about golden age, it's video television type series that are appearing not only on traditional television that you and I grew up with, mm -hmm. the three and then four networks, but Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu. Right. And of course, you know, uh, outfits like CBS have jumped into the whole online game, too. With That's the only way you're going to see the new Star Trek. Exactly. And so part of the golden age, well, the real kind of start of our current golden age was, of course, 
The Sopranos. Do you think that's where it started? Absolutely. I was going to ask you Absolutely. when you think it started to take a oh, turn. Yes. yes. Because that was kind of a groundbreaking. HBO was always good about trying to break new ground. But with that show, and I remember when I first saw the previews for The Sopranos, I actually thought it was going to be um, kind of a black comedy. Right. In in. But then it turned out that which it did have humor it in it. It did have humor in it. But it turned out to be something entirely but different. It, absolutely, and you know the the humor in it was simply because trying to be truthful and realistic. Mm-hmm. There's humor in real life, God knows. Mm-hmm. Even among you know these nitwit gangsters that were in The Sopranos. But yeah, the, I mean the whole situation. I mean it's this. This dates back many years. When I was in college, uh, I took a course uh, filmmaking, and uh, we had a guest from HBO. And the guy came in, and he said, well, we're looking for a series that's going to gain attention to us and really get us on the map. And we, we don't want this, we don't want that, and he kind of, you know, went all over the map on what they were looking for, and we kind of scratched our heads. And, well, you know, years later, what had happened was that, uh, let me take it a step back. Uh, HBO's model is different from CBS, NBC, ABC, because they're not supported by advertising. Right. They're supported by Subscribers. subscribers. And so they have to deliver subscribers if you want my stuff you have to subscribe well there better be good stuff otherwise see you later Mm -hmm. so they wanted something that would put them on the map and draw a lot of broad viewership and enter david chase who had spent his career writing for conventional television dramas and was Bored stiff and said, you know, uh, there's this dream project that I'm putting together. And he, in fact, pitched it to the conventional networks. And they all said either flat out no or, uh, well, could you change the uh, main character to somebody a little less, uh, shall we say, earthy and more glamorous, perhaps? And, uh, and he said, no, then it becomes exactly what you guys are running now, and I don't want to do that. And then he tried to make it as a feature film, and he couldn't get that made. So he finally had heard that HBO was looking for something different, unusual, that might possibly gain a lot of public attention. So he pitched it to them, and they said, when can you start? Mm-hmm. You know, they were all for it. And then, boom, he hit the zeitgeist. Yeah, he did. And there you go. I remember almost immediately that was uh, a water cooler type of show that people were starting to talk about. And people who did not have HBO all of a sudden. Suddenly you had to have it. Were getting HBO to see what all this was about with The Sopranos and so forth and, and so on. So huge success. And, oh, by the way, then... There was another little thing that was started by The Sopranos, binge-watching. Yeah. Because HBO said, well, how can we make 
more money off of this. And at that time, of course, DVDs were still a big deal. Sure. You know, Blockbuster was still a big deal. I have all the Sopranos I'm on sure DVD. Sure, you do. I think I remember speak. that down in the basement, down in, in, the basement. in Dino's Casino. Yeah. <laughs> and um, whole other podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. So HBO said, "Well, yeah, let's uh, extend the brand a little bit by, you know." selling these DVDs of the season and suddenly people were watching entire seasons in a gulp yep. and you had yes binge watching became a thing along with these also ran networks suddenly saying hey yo this is a interesting idea I remember talking um, at that point I was still covering television and I was talking to a, a guy at Showtime who said Oh, yeah, we all, meaning all of the outfits like HBO that were subscription only, we all want our own Sopranos. I bet. And so they were all looking for something different, something interesting, something that you weren't going to get on regular television. And in today's current platforms you mentioned the hulus the netflix the they're Amazon all Prime. they're still following that example they're still all looking for the next absolute big thing they're all looking for the next you know well now the second season of stranger things on game, netflix, of thrones, game of thrones stranger on H- things hbo everybody's looking for their next exactly their next gotta see it gotta binge watch it type of show speaking of netflix i mean we you know i don't mean to shift gears too too much right. but you talk about you talk about uh how hbo kind of started it and then all these other platforms came into be as far as the streaming networks go netflix probably was um the modern day version of, of what hbo was with the sopranos absolutely. with house of cards absolutely yes yes and all of a sudden now streaming and binging and in right. one fell swoop. What a, what a genius move that was. Yes. Huh? Combining both things mm-hmm. so that, yeah, okay, I'll download this from Netflix and watch the entire season of House of Cards, which, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah, yeah I did. All of a sudden, <laughs> and it was great. All of a sudden, man. you know, how many hours? Yeah. Okay, well, one more. One right. more. Right. One right. more. Right. One more. Right. It's like chicken wings. Uh, I'm stuffed. Exactly. I can't. Uh, one more. One more. Right. One more. But then that's it. That's it, and I'm done. Or or, or pizza. Or perhaps. pizza, yes, whatever the yes. case might no, be. No, yeah, I, re- I remember it distinctly. I was at my brother's house, and he had Netflix. And uh, I came walking in from, uh, he, he lives up in the Cleveland area, and I came walking in, and it was like a Saturday night. He was still at work, and my sister-in-law said, oh, you got to watch this. And so I was up half the night watching all of of that season so yeah and i said this is killer this is just amazing in this current golden age of television it seems that most of the golden product seems to be coming from uh cable the networks the the big four now right networks abc uh, nbc cbs and fox and for you listeners out there um, in podcast land. seem yeah. to be the ones that 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 struggle. I mean, they stay in the game 
with what I call popular fodder. I mean, you've got NCIS, you've got your popular CBS shows right. that 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 won't go right. away. Right. Fifteen years and running for that particular right. show. Right. Simpsons on the Fox forever. Right. You've got the, they've got their staple of shows, and and I would imagine that if, when you look at you know. 20 years from now, if you look back at this particular golden age of television, you would have to include The Simpsons in, in that mix. Oh, just, absolutely. Just just because of their creativity and longevity. Yeah. But it seems like the networks struggle now to, to kind of keep up with as, as far as the, the type of shows. There's, there's, I can only think the of a The return of Will and Grace is a struggle? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, talk about... The, the, yeah. We're in the, we're in the years... You're exactly right. We're in the reboot years. Everything, everything old is new again. I like This Is Us. This Is Us is in its second season right. at NBC. It's well done. It's right. well written. It's well performed. Yeah. I tear up. I cry. God damn it. <laughs> I do. I do. They got me. Big macho guy like you, yeah. come on. Yeah, but I also, you know, but I don't know. Maybe you're crying maybe, into your Ezra. Beard. Maybe maybe I'm getting, maybe I'm picking up more estrogen as I get older because I also cry around America's Got Talent when I see a little <laughs> when I see the little girl last year when when it all playing the ukulele. I mean, so you know, what am I gonna do? But you get my point. It seems like the stuff sure. that the stuff that, that that gets buzzy. Sure. The stuff that that we uh, you know oh you got to see this uh, seems to come from Netflix or 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 Amazon Prime yeah. or AMC. Um, you know when Mad Men. Mad Men. When Matthew Weiner yeah. left The Sopranos right. and said you know now this is my thing right. and, and Mad Men was another one of those. Which by the way is one of the reasons why The Sopranos did start the golden age because it spawned. So many other mm-hmm. projects like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mad Men was one of my still one of my favorite uh, shows of recent memory. Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, absolutely. Yeah, another mold breaker that ended up also being a a, uh, a binge worthy type of show. It seems when you put that tag on it, it's binge worthy. You, you'll raise an eyebrow, and yeah. someone will say, "Oh, really? Yeah, what's it about? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna check that out." But you, you know, it, it, stuff like Breaking Bad. It's unusual, different, and good. And guess what? Then it it attracts uh, people in the development stage who are bored stiff, as David Chase was so many years ago. Mm -hmm. Brian Cranston was doing Malcolm in the Middle, and he really got bored playing the dad. And, I mean, it was a great show in the the first few seasons, and then, you know, they kind of let it drift for too many seasons even he said that at some point uh, but yeah then when he was he he stumbled upon or was offered the, uh, the 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 lead role in breaking bad it was like let me at it and suddenly people were like well this guy is fantastic yeah you know? like well we always knew that we who had covered television but you know now you know too let me go back a little bit. Let me ask you about you, Tim Farron. What's your earliest TV memory where you said, I'm in front of this thing and, and I got to watch this again or, you know, next week because at that point in our lives, you had to wait. <laughs> well, man, um, it was pretty early. I'm not sure I can remember exactly my earliest television memory because television was 
always in our household. Was it always on? Not always on, but, you know, my parents were fairly lenient about what we were watching. You know, it'd be like, well, okay, you can watch uh, The Adventures of Superman or The Lone Ranger and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, my brother and I dug that. And uh, Those would have been in, in, uh, in, in reruns. They were that, in reruns, absolutely. Point, you know? uh, I mean, a, I mean, a lot of the stuff... Uh, I grew up in Cleveland, of course, and so a lot of my memories are daytime Cleveland memories. Um, as people in Columbus talk a lot about Flippo the Clown and Lucy's Toy Shop. Fritz the Night Owl. Fritz the Night Owl, yeah. our, our good friend. Um, you know, I, I remember very distinctly stuff like um, uh, uh, Goularty mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, Fritz the toy maker, and uh, oh, Lynn Sheldon, who was uh, the um, I'm blanking on on the name of the character. He was um, uh, kind of a leprechaun. With he wore a um, that doesn't sound creepy at all. He would <laughs> he wore a uh, straw hat, and he had like pointy ears, like Mister Spock, and. Uh, he had an invisible bird in <laughs> in a bird cage, uh-huh. and uh, yes, and so that was that was kind of fun. And they all then ran reruns of the Three Stooges and all of that stuff from the thirties, forties, and, and they would have 50s. cartoons and as well. Cartoons, yeah, cartoons. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, they were, yeah. yeah. I remember those afternoon shows. We had them when I was uh, growing up as well. In sure. fact, we had uh, we had Bozo. Bozo the Clown. And, oh, yeah. I lived in this. Oh, and Captain Kangaroo sure. in the morning. Of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. Romper Room, of course. You had Romper Room. Part. Don't even get me started on Romper Room. Your first name is Tim. There's a good chance that when she was looking in the magic mirror and saying hi to the kids at but home, do you know? that Tim would no. probably get in there and you would go, she said my name. I, you wonder how many times I watched Romper Room hoping and praying for a Dino? Not happening, my Never friend. Never happening. Excuse me. Fuck romper room. <laughs> that was all in the era when, you know, America was really white and not so ethnic. At least it, the public face of it was, you know, as, as yes. Flippo yeah. once told me, you know, something was rare uh, he said on the on the air on his show and got into a little bit of a issue, issue with station with management because he said, you know, you know, kids, that's as rare as a Jew in Upper Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> he said that. Yes, he did. <laughs> I can't say that now <laughs> on the radio. I, I mean, I, and he got away with it. If I said that on the radio now, you know, even jokingly, oh my gosh, I'd be. I'd be suspended. The clown, the clown got in a little bit of a tiff with station management, but you know, they they gave him a pretty pretty long leash because you know he was Flippo, and everybody kind of rolled their eyes and expected that kind of nonsense from, from yeah from Flippo. Well, and, and things were a little different back then. Well, it was live television, yeah. so yeah, yeah, and they knew he was a real prankster, so sure. Different times, so. But um, so going back to the yes, the my early memories, 
Um, like what was a show that you, you may be uh, a little too young to remember? Me, when everybody had only black and white television. Oh no no no! And no. and it was the lucky people on the block. I understand color. No no, I, we were we were black and white for a long time. My dad was cheap. <laughs> My dad was cheap. He would want. To, he would spend it on other things than rather than. He didn't understand. My father was from Greece, so you know, oh, the, yeah. the television. Oh, yeah. He didn't understand the television as much as my mother was kind of weaned on it, and right. I certainly was. But my, you know, so for my father, the black and white was was good enough. Um, Absolutely. And what did he say to me one time that I remember? I mean, this was years later. Um, there are no good performances in color. I, I he meant that in respects to movies. Well, uh, he said there. This are is no, an interesting point yeah. because I can remember many years ago that there was a a film scholar who spoke to uh, this very same class that had uh, the HBO executive come in, and. You know, this scholar was maintaining that, well, you know, the, the, the color movies back in the 50s in particular, they were, you know, the big splashy ones. Mm -hmm. And the, it was the black and white that had the real character studies and good writing and all of that. It's like, well, okay. All right. That, that's an interesting theory. So, uh. And I guess in my father's time, which with that point, when you, when I remember that comment coming out of his right. mouth, which had been 1968 or 69 at that point, and it stuck with me, even as a as a 9 or 10-year-old, that, that, that still stuck in my head. Um, it probably made more sense to him at that point. For sure. You know. Yes. Because he remembered 30s, right. 40s, 50s. Sure. When you know, there would be a little kernel of truth to that, what was your, really would. What was your first, your first? I gotta watch it next week. TV show as a kid, like what was the first show you remember getting loving and getting hooked on? Batman. Batman. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta watch Batman. Well, they they you had to because they left it. You know the, same the whole bad time. Right. Same bad show. Right there you go. No, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, during the, the kind of rollout of Batman, we were a Nielsen household. Oh, no way. Yes. I've never known anybody yes. that was an actual Nielsen household. So How did that happen? We filmed How did you get picked? I, oh, I'm... Don't know. Hansbury. Don't know. Hansbury. We're with television royalty. Set up straight. So we <laughs> we would fill out the log. It was a, a handwritten uh -huh. log, and uh, you know my mother would chuckle because there they are again. The boys are watching Batman, and you know fill that in. So you know I maintain all these many years later that I was one of the reasons. Adam West became a star. I don't doubt it because that was a select group of people. It's the same thing with uh, in radio when we had diaries. You know, there was only a, a select oh yeah segment of the population that got those diaries and filled them out, and that's what they based it on. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, did you ever meet Adam West? Because Never. he, he should have thanked you.
He should have, but I never had the opportunity to thank him. Wow. Or to, for him to thank me. So, so Batman. That was, that was. Batman was great. I still uh, enjoy seeing an old Batman every now and again. I mean, you look back at it now and go, yeah. wow. Yeah. Do you look at it and, and appreciate it for what it was? Or do you look back at it now and go, wow, I can't believe I actually got hooked on this? Well, even at the time, I was a little cranked off because cranked off it was it was clear to me even at my young age that you know they're not taking it really seriously oh so you were a batman fan of the comics yeah oh yes okay absolutely and you know i kind of was like but it beats not having a you know a tv show about batman so yeah you know i was i was a big fan and yet at the same time i was like oh I wish they'd take it a little bit more seriously rather than this well, goofy, goofy thing. Years later, your wish came true. Yes, it did. Your wish came true. All right, speaking of taking something seriously, um, what do you think of the Ezra B? I'm liking it. You like the Ezra B? Yeah. All right. Do, yeah. Have you ever had Elijah Craig? Because this reminds me of Elijah Craig. No, okay. I have not. So maybe what, should... what about Elijah uh, uh, reminds you? Uh, because of the, the, the smell initially. Okay. And, well, actually, not so much the smell, the taste. Because this runs, uh, Elijah Craig, in my opinion, runs a little hot. And and I think this oh. one runs a, a, a little hotter than uh, Elijah okay. Craig. Okay. But uh, what uh, I was asking you about the... When you smell it, the smell and, and the it, taste, I think they do. You think they do complement each other? I think they do complement. Oh, see, each I other. don't. See, what that's 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 the beautiful I thing about it. I don't think they're the same. I think they complement. You each think other. they complement each other? Yeah. See, that's what I love about a whiskey palate. Yeah. You know, because everybody's is different. Yeah. Um, I think it smells sweet, but the taste then is not initially. You know, what's once okay. it gets there. Well, maybe that's why I'm feeling like it's a complimentary rather than a It's got same. a nice long finish, and yeah. it's a good, it's in our it's in our favorite category, the under $50 or less bourbons. Depending on where you get it, this will range somewhere between $34.99 and, and $42.99. Nice. Uh, if you can find it, it's not an, uh, an always an easy one to find. It is, uh, uh, comes from the Heaven Hill Distillers, um, but the company is owned by a, I don't think we've ever talked about NDPs, non-distiller producer. They have no distillery of their own, so they have to buy really? their whiskey from another distillery, and then they smack Isn't their, that interesting? we own this company, we own this this label, and they'll do the they'll do the fancy things. Wow. They'll dress up the bottle and make it sure. look award-winning. Yeah. It's got the lovely, uh, you know, like the, like the maker's mark, um, what do you call this? Wax. wax the uh, wax. Seal. The wax. Yeah, yeah, it's got blue instead yes. of red. Yes. And they put a little medal around little it. Medal of Honor. Oh, yes. They, they do a nice job of dressing up the bottle. But, um, you uh, know, uh, speaking of golden age, I think we're in something of a golden age as far as liquor. Spirits, Spirits in general? And, and wine and... and Beer, craft beer, certainly, craft beers are and huge. you know you you see stuff, and you're talking about uh, you know in the sweet spot of you want more portier, uh, Tim. We should we should we should mention that my fiance is no. the beautiful and talented and very intelligent Mary Ellen O'Shaughnessy 
your Frank, Franklin County Clerk of Courts, is here, and uh, she is a, a fan, aficionado, I guess, w- I would say, of uh, spirits in general. As well, I. she's the first one that took the second pour out of the Ezra B, so... Oh, you so, have no idea. So, uh, you know, salute <laughs> and, a, and a compliment to her. So, so But, I, you know, we I think we really are. You can get great bottles of wine for $20 or less. Yes. And really great beer commonly around town, various uh, uh, breweries. And, yes, and... And spirits like this for mm-hmm. reasonable price as well. Yeah, the bourbon uh, craze, which has been going on, and and I've uh, and thank complained, bitched, commented <laughs> on all of it. You know, I'm I'm anxious for it to fade a little bit. So those of us who have enjoyed it, you know, when nobody else was drinking it, can go back to that. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I keep hoping that uh, yeah that the millennials. <clears throat> move on to something else, you know. But but right now it, it's it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. In fact, there's more there's more whiskey being made now than I've ever seen yeah. before, and more states are coming up with their yeah. own whiskey product. Not necessarily bourbon, but whiskeys. Right. And uh, and uh, we haven't gotten into any Japanese whiskeys, but I've had some. The Japanese take their whiskey very seriously. Do they? Oh yes. Very, very seriously. Yes, the Japanese are huh. very, very, very serious and committed to making fine whiskeys. And they do make some fine whiskeys. Yes. yes wow. I mean, I've had, of course, uh, Japanese, uh, you know, the, the sake sure. and, and Japanese beer. beer. Sure. But I was not aware that they really got into that as well. Oh, yeah. whiskey. Oh, yeah. Next time you go to your favorite uh, spirit shop, ask somebody in the know about a good Japanese whiskey, and um, you'll 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 be very very pleased and impressed. So the Ezra B, I personally give it a B. You know, uh, it's uh, I I think it's I think for all the the things it's got going on yeah. for it for the yeah. price point, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I don't really rate the whiskeys on a on a weekly basis, but since there's an actual B at the end of it, it just seems it like it makes a, sense. It's conversationally speaking, there's a reason for the B. I yeah. give it the Ezra, the Ezra Brooks, twelve year single barrel, ninety nine proof. By the way, so if you're looking, you know, if you're looking to drown your sorrows at home and and get a buzz on quickly. <laughs> Uh, ninety nine proof should help. Mary Ellen just perked up at that in, in, in that quest. <laughs> and probably a good time to mention our friends uh, from Saya and Pyatt again too. If uh, if uh, the drowning of those sorrows goes right. awry, yes. Um, SPLaws.com or eight 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 OVI Ohio. I'll be very careful driving com. home, and uh, <laughs> if I'm not, we know who to call six one four. Four 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 three zero three six. Yeah, they're helpful. <laughs> they want to help. <laughs> they want help. You know, I've always, you know, this. You, you've known me a long time. It's always good to have guys. It's always good to have a guy, and in my case, guys. <laughs> <laughs> These are my guys. Yes. What was the first television show? Yes. Speaking of golden age of yes. television, that actually moved you 
that acted you had that actually had an effect on you. Are you talking about during this current golden age? No, I'm talking, or just I'm talking about in you. General. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on up to where right. we are today, right. but I'm kind of trying to establish the Tim mm-hmm. Farron path of TV that affected me, uh, chronologically speaking. Batman's the first show that you like, ah, I got to watch Batman. Right. What was the first TV show that moved you that actually that you said that, okay, this has had a, a profound effect on me? Um, yeah, I'm not sure it's the first, but something that immediately comes to mind because I thought at the time that it was better than anything that was in movie theaters. I'm very curious. I'm seeing if our answers are going to match up. Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues. Wow. Okay. Because at the time, I was uh, I was uh, working at the Lorraine Journal, and among the many things that you do uh, at a smaller paper like that is, you know, you're just multitasking. And one of the things I did was I was the film critic, the de facto film critic for that paper. And that was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And as you may recall, the 80s were kind of a giant wasteland of slasher movies. Yeah. And meanwhile, here was this brilliantly written, extremely well-acted, hour-long drama, and I couldn't get enough of it. And initially, that initially nobody was watching. That initially no one was watching, but since, you know, I've always been kind of tuned in to television, Mm -hmm. to use a word, um. Yeah, I immediately glommed onto it, knew that it was coming down the pipe, and thought, well, this could be interesting. And just, I thought it was the best thing ever. It was, it was. It was an excellent show. Yes. I felt the same way about uh, uh, St. Elsewhere, which was also on yes. NBC. And it was a similar time frame yes. uh, when it came out. It was out. a hospital yes. drama. I thought so, too. And yes, St. Absolutely. Elsewhere was kind of my show, but you know, it's interesting that we picked a hospital and a cop show, two staples, two big of, staples. Of, te- of television right. that are constantly recycled, reinvented, and uh, sometimes um, badly produced, and sometimes, in the case of Hill Street Blues and NYPD Blue, yeah. And uh, ER, right? You know, th- those those are good examples of those types of shows that that have that if you put them on today, you know, they're still gonna they're still they're gonna, still gonna last. Interesting brush with greatness. So years later, I'm at a cocktail party in L.A. when I was covering television, and it was one of the networks hosting this, and I bump into Charles. Hayed. From Hill Street Blues. And I said, good God, I get to meet Andy Renko himself, Charles Haid. And at that point, he had really kind of transitioned out of acting and was doing a lot of directing. And he just sort of practically blushed and, and sort of poo-pooed. It was like, oh, it was nothing. But you could tell he was digging it, that somebody sure. remembered like, more than a decade later, what a tremendous job he had done on that show. Yeah, everybody, everybody, yeah, was, everybody did what, really did, did yeah. their did their yeah. part yeah. on that show. Everybody did. The other thing that 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 affected me, and it, this goes into a whole different type of 
uh, genre of television, but Roots. Oh, sure, the miniseries. Roots, the miniseries. Miniseries. Uh, where they uh, yeah. they kind of a precursor to binge watching yeah I guess, kind of you know? kind of where they actually took a huge gamble yeah. and asked the american public we're going to ask you to tune yeah. in nightly to watch this epic program called roots based on a novel yeah. or about it, based on a piece of uh, nonfiction by alex haley and and i remember tuning in to roots back then and i remember Everybody, everybody was blown away. Was just blown Absolutely. away by it. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I just remember having, and then and then that kind of spawned. Okay, well if they're gonna watch Roots, then we're gonna do some right. other. Right. It's it spawned the miniseries. The and there was a whole bunch of shows, and now and the other ones I couldn't tell you what uh, became memorable after that because Roots was over. It the wasn't of, the the. the first miniseries there were a few before that i'm thinking of what was it called qb 13 something like that it was queen's bench qb stood for queen's bench it was uh, like a about an english uh a court case uh something like that i want to say ben gazar that was, was before it. that was before see, oh, see yes. that one didn't stick so when oh, yeah. was like the thorn birds was that after roots mm-hmm. you know that was another one that everybody was wrapped with attention with. I don't with. know if that was after Roots. Downton Abbey. Down, yes. Well, yes, of course. Yes. Downton Abbey is another one that uh, that that's uh, binge-worthy as well. Well, you know, PBS. And, and PBS wound up having, we referred to them as miniseries because, of course, the, the, the British networks followed very different models from, yeah, they do. from the U.S. where... What is it now? It's uh, 24 new episodes in a season uh, after, you know, the, the, the initial order is usually 13 and then you can extend it to 24. But way, way back when we were kids, it was it was like 40 or 50 right. shows in a season. Right. And meanwhile, the Brits uh, doing stuff like... Um, Downton Abbey and, uh, you know, many years back, uh, various other things. I'm trying to remember now, but I'm feeling the whiskey. Um, <laughs> you get the 99 uh, proof starting to register. Right, it's starting to register, so that the names are slipping away from me in a mist of whiskey. But, you know, they would do basically a season would be six, maybe ten shows. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would be it, you know. So what was oh Faulty Towers is what I'm thinking of. Faulty Towers, you know. It's interesting that you bring a it. season of that was like what seven shows. Seven shows, and then yeah. they took a couple of years before they came back exactly. to do the second season. Right? Did you know? Uh, you probably didn't, weren't even aware of this that did, you did the interview on oh, the uh, stage uh, with John Cleese. Why didn't you mention this to me beforehand so I could have been in it? Who told you? I didn't need to be told. I found out. How'd you find out? Huh? From who? You were all over social media. Are you kidding? Afterwards. Uh, Afterwards. It's not prior to. There were pictures. Yes. There's Dino with John Cleese. I'm telling you what. Here he is, chatting with John (laughs) Cleese. And I'm just, I'm digging my fingernails into the desk thinking, why didn't he tell me he was 
doing that? I, we would have uh, been there. Honestly, honestly. I'm sure this was great. It was. This is what I thought. Judging from the communique from Mills Entertainment, I thought I was going to introduce the man, okay? Do a nice introduction. And as they said in the emails, <laughs> and then Mr. Cleese will speak for 40 to 50 minutes, stay out of his way, is what it said in the emails. I thought he was going to tell stories. And then they said there'd be a Q&A with the audience, which would have consisted of a stack of questions that they selected from the audience. So I thought basically I was just going to be another MC monkey. Oh, up there this is dancing. sounding so very familiar. I have been thrust into these situations too. But then yes. when I get there, yes. they tell me, they say, okay, okay we'd like you to do an conducting the moderating. We'd like and you to interviewing. do yes, an introduction. Yes. And then it's and you then, and John right, for right. an hour and 15 right. minutes. And I went, yes. excuse me? Yes. I said, no, I was yes. ready. I was ready. Yes. I was ready. Yes. I was overprepared. You're a you're a pro. You you I was ready. You're that eventuality. You prepared. Don't get yep. me wrong, I said yes. I said I'm very excited yes. because but I was not told that that's how it was gonna go. Right. So because I and I looked at those note cards for yep. like days, I, I think I looked at my notes m- maybe twice over the course of the hour and fifteen minutes we were sitting together. And he was he was he was magnificent. He was marvelous, I'm sure, because he, he always is uh, in the, in those kind of situations. He was great. He yeah. was great. Yeah. He was gracious. He was yeah. kind. He was funny. Yeah. I made John Cleese Look laugh good. out loud. You did? Not once. Right. Maybe twice. Terrorist uh, fist uh, bump uh, now. Yeah, yes. Yeah, maybe, Absolutely. Maybe twice. Maybe twice. Honey, I need more whiskey <laughs> in order to sufficiently toast Dino. For making it was, John Cleese, I'm telling you laugh. what. I'm telling you know what. I need to. You know, all of a sudden now, Slancha, you've, gone from, you've gone from clerk of courts to whiskey hostess. I'm sorry. Well, I she's apologize. talked about someday <laughs> wanting a part-time job as a barkeep. So you know, why not? Yeah, he was. He dude, he was awesome. He was awesome. And and you would have been proud of me. I stayed away from all the cliche. Uh, uh, questions, you know, what's your favorite Monty Python sketch? You know, I didn't do any of that. You know, we talked about Graham Chapman and his yes. you know, being a raging alcoholic. And we yeah. had to talk about the movie because they screened Monty Python and the Holy Grail before him. Right, yes. Which yeah. uh, he thinks the first 50 minutes are great. And after that, I think he believes it bogs down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so he talked about his marriages and his mother who lived to be 101 years of age. And wow. we just had a yeah. delightful yeah. Delightful time. Yeah. He's Our, doing this for the money. Huh? He's doing this for the money. Oh, he's doing it he's, for the money. He's had so many marriages, and now his third know, marriage yeah. cost him twenty million pounds. <gasps> when I said, "Can we talk about the marriage?" He goes, "By all means, let's talk." Especially the third one that cost me twenty million pounds because he's married for the fourth time. Yes. To which I said to him that yes. night, "I go, you're no quitter." <laughs> Boy, that's for sure. So there's yeah. a guy who really believes in marriage. Uh, believes in marriage, and he is—he's a romantic at heart. Yeah, he was—he de- was delightful. So, um, so funny. I wasn't even going to bring it up, but then you mentioned Faulty Towers, and that just—but yes, no, I, yeah, I know you've been in that situation before, as as have I, where you're invited to yes, mm-hmm. simply do a very brief introduction, right. and oh, by the way, when you get there. Uh, could you moderate the discussion and actually ask questions? And then we'll have a Q&A at the end. Right. And then the Q&A is open up to the audience and nobody wants to ask a question. So you have to start asking even more questions. Oh, I was fine, though. I so, had a stack of questions for the audience. But I'm sure you were. I didn't get to them. 
Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. I did so not he get was, to them. He was really ready to roll for you. I then. mean, we were just, we, we, great. we clicked from the get-go when he said, he actually led me into one of my first jokes I ever did in stand-up. He goes, he said, he goes, uh, Tripodis is, is Greek. I said, yes. He goes, the, the tripod, the, the three feet. I said, I prefer man with three foot extension. And he laughed out loud right off the bat. And, you know, and like, you know, okay, yes. We just did a clever dick joke that made John Cleese happy. Here we go, people. We're off and running. And, you know, a gang that does. Uh, 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 life of Brian is not beyond a good dick not joke. Not beyond a good dick <laughs> joke. That's actually the movie he said he'd like to see uh, in that format again. They showed Monty Python and Holy Grail. He would like to see Life of, of Brian, Brian in that same situation again. Uh, and so then we got sure. into the topic of religion, and when we covered a right. lot of a Always lot of look on the bright side of life, obscure there, yeah. bases. But yeah, oh, man, uh, highlight of my twenty uh, fourth year, in, in, in radio, absolutely. Yeah. I thought, I thought, you know, hosting the cooking show at, at the home show with Guy Fieri was it, but I was wrong. <laughs> From the food network, no offense to Guy Fieri, but I think John Cleese topped it. Back to the golden age of television because we're running out of time. Ah. Um, I know. I know. This is something that we could go on forever. But um, uh, we, we, we try to keep it somewhat under wraps a little but, bit. But one of the things I wanted to mention about the golden age. Yeah, let's get to the stuff you haven't gotten to. The, you know, they were in, in this interesting Financial Times article, they're talking about they were attempting to compare it to certain art movements. Really? In the past. And I said, you know... Like the Renaissance? Well, sort of like how when uh, the French Academy became really stuffy and uh, full of blowhards, uh, and and then the uh, guys like Picasso and Monet came along and just blew their doors off. And, and I thought... Well, that might be true for that, but television is a very different beast because it it's always been a business. Mm-hmm. And the model wasn't based on something that came out of art. It was always based on radio. That's why there were 15-minute shows early on right. because 15-minute shows were the norm in Radio, right, and that's why Excellent you had point. a lot of shows that had previously been on radio, like The Lone Ranger, right, and Superman, mm-hmm. and Jack Benny, and so many others. And it's like, you know, that was the original golden age of ra- of television, and it was all based on radio, which, you know, you can talk about how innovative, but really, come on, it wasn't. It's always been big business. So they've always been wanting to bet on a sure thing, which is why you have and have had for many, many years things like, you know, well, we'll bring back Will and Grace. Well, we'll launch another Star Trek series. And all of this stuff, they just, they're hedging their bets constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly, because the big four networks, they still, they've been losing ground to the HBO's and the Netflix of the world, but they're still, by far, 
the biggest audiences around. Right. And they're still making a gazillion dollars, so they don't want to blow it by betting the farm on some crazy idea from this guy, David Chase, who's coming to us with this, <laughs> this notion of yeah. casting a big fat guy as a gangster. What? What? No, yeah. no, it won't. It won't go. It, America won't buy it. Right. Mm, yeah. Be careful. America. Some, America apparently has an appetite. But and I can. And it's interesting, too. And I also consider it to be a, what they consider to be a success on cable. Uh, well, that, you know, if, if, if a show like Breaking Bad attracts right. three and a half million right. viewers, it's a lock to be back there right. next season right. as opposed to now the networks. I see the number one show. Well, uh, I know number one. I know Young Sheldon was number two in the ratings. And I think Big Bang Theory was number one last week with yeah. 17.1 million right. viewers and, and or 17.2. And Young Sheldon was just below that because they ran it right after right. as a of preview course. with yeah. like 17.1. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, it seems if they get if they get anything over... 10 million they're happy sure back in the days back in the day when though, we were the watching percentage of population yes, yes. shows like mash and mary right. tyler moore right. i'm talking about right. um the 70s which is could be a whole podcast on its own uh, which maybe we'll come back maybe to we and do, should and do yeah. a second podcast yeah. just about the 70s yeah. yeah because that seems to be the decade that you and i we're watching probably the most television. Well, and it was it was an interesting period because there was this tremendous ferment in television, but also that was the glory days of the new Hollywood mm-hmm. when you had stuff like Chinatown and Taxi Driver and so on and so forth. I'm gonna and then boom, yeah, stuff just you know. We'll put that out changed. as a tease. I, I, I'm gonna promise you, if you've enjoyed yourself this evening, which I hope you have. Well, Let's just make an agreement that we'll come back and focus on a podcast that's just about the 70s TV and movies of the 70s. We're there. Because that was a powerful decade. That was The huge. 70s was my, is still huge. my favorite decade of film, still, to this day. Oh, yeah. 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 And some of my favorites are from the 70s. And, and well. some of the stuff that the, the, the sitcoms and, and dramas that were on in the 70s. Uh, Morgan, but it launched Robin Williams. Come on, soaring. Yeah, but the Mary Tyler Moore's and the All in the Families and the Bob. Here you go. All right, we're gonna table that for now. All right, all right, and start to wrap things up here tonight. Uh, Do you think that the golden age? One last question. Yeah. Do you think that this golden age of television will continue to grow and prosper, or do you think that we're gonna eventually hit a wall and go back to? I'm sorry, shit. (sighs) <sighs> man that is that is a huge huge because there class. seems to be so many talented people right and I, when i say talented people i mean the writers because yes. it all starts with the written word right. there seems to be so many people so many good good people writing for television yeah. right now yeah well yes i mean uh one of the great things uh about this this huge explosion of places like hulu and netflix uh, and and starting with HBO with Sopranos and just you know Amazon Prime and so on is that all the really great writing talent now these guys are saying you know why bother pitching a movie idea to a studio since they're all just making you know Avengers sixteen right you know uh, 
the uh, yes, Spider-Man meets Abbott and Costello. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all that's going on in the movie theater now. Yeah, the really hot stuff, the really creative stuff, is being done on television. Some kind of television, whether it's actual broadcast or cable or simply online. And you see a lot of our movie stars doing it. Right. I mean, you know, Brian Cranston, Mm -hmm. he was, yes, I'm bored stiff by being Malcolm's dad. Yeah. Here's a great opportunity for me to show what I can really do. And God, he did. Um, you know. I, I love television. Television is, like I said, been a part of my oh, sure. entire life. I'm not going to give up on the movies. I'm going to have faith oh, no. in the movies. Oh, no. But, Same here. You know, but if the, when the movies lag and falter, I can always count on television. Our guest has been Tim Farron. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. I hope you had fun. You know, always a pleasure, man. Uh, did you enjoy yourself this evening? Of course evening? I did. Okay, and you enjoyed the Ezra You, B. whiskey, and talking about television and movies? Are yeah. you kidding? And then you get to go this home. This is with- like nirvana. <laughs> and then you get to go home with your lovely fiance. Absolutely. So it's like it's a win, this, win, it's and then totally more win. win. Absolutely. I also want to thank our producer, Greg Hansberry, who Thanks, pieces Greg. all this wonderful stuff together on a regular basis. And thank our sponsor, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, with offices in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. If Keep up the good fight, boys. <laughs> if you're in any type of legal predicament with over 100-plus years of collective experience and a reputation for results, call them at 614-444-3036. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production produced with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. If you like our podcast, by all means, let us know. Comment on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Do that. We want to know how you think we're doing. We've gotten some emails and whatnot, and that's great. Uh, the listenership is growing, and we thank you. So, uh, on behalf of me, your host, Dino Tripodos, and my reluctant guests, until Not the- so reluctant. <laughs> Come on. Uh, until next time. Until the next bottle. It's whiskey business. See ya. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.